Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Coming up on episode 313 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Toyota Supra Manual, the BMW X5M Competition, Tesla Model 3, Range Rover, Mercedes EQB, a wrapped Lightning, a Nugget Camper, Right to Repair is back on, and a Chevy Blazer EV Pursuit, Kia EV5, all that and more coming up next. <laughs> This is episode 313 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samet from Guidehouse Insights. I am Roberto Baldwin uh, from SAE International. Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah, new job. New job. Hopefully, this one lasts more than a couple of weeks. <laughs> no, it's going to be, it's, I'm going to be at this place for a very long time. Good. And what about you? Who are oh. you? I'm, I'm Tanya Gazdick, and I'm joining as a guest uh, since Nicole Wakeland could not be here this week. And I am from Media Post, Towards Auto, Girl's Guide to Cars. And, and as you mentioned, Nicole is off somewhere. I'm not even sure where she is just today. I remember. She, she, didn't, she didn't say. She just said she was traveling. And so not sure exactly a, where she's at. But It's the busy fall travel season. Yes. Is it fall? Uh, not, not quite. I don't know. It's all. It, I mean, it's it's still officially summer for almost another what four weeks. But you know, I mean, re, in reality, you know, one more week until Labor Day weekend, and then you know, everybody kind of treats that as the end of summer. See, in in the Bay Area, we treat as the beginning of summer because this is this is when it gets starts getting hot. <laughs> this well, is when it, depends, it gets nice. Depends where you are in the Bay Area, though. I mean, yeah. you know, if if you're like in the North Bay, it's kind of hot all summer, but. If you're in yeah, San Francisco, it. it's a no different story. The North Bay. No one yeah. cares about them. They got wine. Leave them be. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, why don't we start with you, uh, Tanya? What, what are you even driving this week? Oh, I have stories. Um, this week, I, I just got a Mercedes... 2023 EQB 350 formatic, and it's it's a pure EV. And I thought, well, let's see if, you know, how it, how it goes in, char- in terms of charging, you know. It, okay, first I should say the vehicle is fantastic. It's, 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 it's slightly underpowered for an EV, but I think we've gotten kind of spoiled. It's only got 288 horsepower. Oh, only it, 288. Well, here's my how comparison, did, okay? Last how do you week, live? <laughs> last week I was in a 2023 <laughs> Range Rover long wheelbase, and it had um, 523 horsepower. <clears throat> 
more. So I think it's when you go from one of those into a 288 that you're kind of like, oh, what happened? But it's it's a great car. Um, charging it is, is, is I'm going to have a, an experience today. Cause I think we're going to go up to Frankenmuth and see if we can get one of the two charging plugs in like the whole town. But I went to East Eastern market yesterday morning, Saturday morning, busy day. There's two charge point chargers with four stations. Thank God there was one open space. Guess who was parked at the other three? Um, big, big, uh, gas guzzling SUVs and pickups. Two Jeeps and a Lincoln, not EVs. Uh, So I'm going to have to do some research again. I I did this a couple months, a couple years ago, actually. You know, every state has their own laws in terms of how they're going to enforce noncompliance at at EV stations. And, you know, I I don't want to have to confront people. That's just not I don't have time for that. But these people came out when I was leaving and and they're they're getting into their Jeep and you know, they had kids and I'm, I really wanted to say like, you know, do you not want there to be a planet for your kids? Because, you know, anyway, I don't know. It's like I could have said the future of, of your children. Do you want your children to be fighting in the in the water wars in 20 years? Is that what you want? <laughs> I, you know, or I could have said like, well, you know, I hope someday when you have an EV, you can find space because we're, we're all going to be there at some point, I guess. But yeah. So anyway, it's an issue. I, I was able to charge and it was, oh God, but here's the other thing. It was ungodly expensive. I was there for an hour and a half. I added like 25 miles, slow charger, $9 and something. Like close they charge, to charge by the minute or by the kilowatt hour? Kilowatt hour, but it's just ungodly expensive. And, and then I started reading the comments on ChargePoint and everybody was like, it's highway robbery. Cause it's like, you know, the only charging stations like they're not there aren't a lot of them still in downtown detroit you would think no. there would be there's not yeah i mean they're they're kind you can find them they're they're in like in downtown in the downtown area you can find them in some of the parking garages um particularly the ones right around the, the gm renaissance center around the gm headquarters and then some of the other parking garages you can find some um but they're all you know pretty much all all, all the ones i've seen are level two chargers Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no level three and I haven't even, I haven't even looked around Eastern market area to see if there's anything there. This is it. There's, there's four level twos and that's it. So there are level threes in front of the Rensen. There's four of them. Mm-hmm. The last time I was there, I think I had a, a, a bolt actually. And I thought, Oh, I should take the bolt to, you know, the mothership and, and charge there. And, and one of the four was broken in front of GM headquarters. Dun, dun, dun. And, and this is why everybody is doing deals to use the Tesla supercharger network. And I see but, uh, but even those, there aren't any superchargers in Detroit. Really? Uh, not, not like not in the downtown area. I don't Not in hey. downtown. They're, they're at Meyer grocery stores. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there is one at eight mile in Woodward, which is technically Detroit, but not, it's like, I'm <laughs> it's not, it's not downtown. No. There's technically one in Detroit. It's like on the border, you know, of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eight eight miles, the northern city limit of Detroit, eight mile road. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my life. (laughs) So so tell us more about the Mercedes. Well, it's it's uh, full of wonderful tech and the and the I can't get over the lighting, the lighting, you know. You'd think by now I'd be used to the crazy lighting, but it's like the 
out of the air vents, you know, there's like this light show and I'm just like, wow, okay, this is new. Um, the one thing I can't, I'm still not quite getting used to is I hate the gear shifter on the, you know, right behind the, 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 the steering wheel. So I'm, I'm always the stock. The stock, like, yeah, and like old timey automatics. It's like an old timey automatic, and I, I, I'm not quite. I think they were trying to keep the, you know, reduce some clutter in the in the middle console, but there's still a lot going on in the middle console. <laughs> I don't know that they did a whole lot by doing that. <laughs> Imagine if they hadn't put if they had put it there. It's, it's like an airplane. Yeah, <laughs> tons of things for you to push. Yeah, yeah. And no, oh God, no wireless Apple CarPlay. I, I'm just not, I'm not even going to talk about that anymore because it's just such a source of frustration. <laughs> and I don't get it. I mean, this is, oh, you know, the other thing, it's a, it's a base. So the base is 60,000. My version is 73,000. Heated seats are not standard. It's like a. And a Mercedes? Come on. I'm serious. I was looking at, I always, you know, I always parse the Monroneys and it's like heated front seats. Uh, $500. It's it's a line item on the Monroney. So I'm like, okay, I'd be kind of annoyed if I just spent $60,000 on a car and then you said, oh, $500 more for heated seats. Well, at least they're not charging you a subscription for it. Yes. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's coming. I, I know they would like to. I don't know if they will. I, I think that they have seen the, the pushback against BMW. Oh, yeah. BMW has not spread it to other locations, other countries, you know, it's still very limited uh, testing. And I don't think that they're getting a whole lot of uh, positive feedback from those attempts. So I, I, I don't expect the Mercedes will, although I'm going to be doing a panel at the move America conference in Austin at the end of September um, that includes um, the uh, head of Mercedes pay. And uh, I will ask her about that. Yeah, I think you should, because I was surprised. And, you know, in, in fairness to, Mer to Mercedes, it's still a bargain compared to the $153,000 Range Rover that I had last week. Ooh. And how, how, what's the range on the EQB? Uh, EQB is, oh, well, I think it's over, it's around $250,000 is, is what I got when I'm I'm fully charged. Yeah. It's not on that's, the it's not on the Monroe. That's not bad. That's that's adequate. It's not horrible. Yeah, two forty three, two fifty. I mean, it's they essentially just shoved an EV powertrain into the EQB, right? The gas car and changed a few things. Um, for what it is, you're like, oh, this is actually nice. I drove it in Germany, and I was like, oh, everyone, everyone got it. Like, oh, it's an EQB. If you like the EQB, <laughs> you want to be electric. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't have a you know, it's not all insanity like you know a lot of the other uh, mercedes were just like so much tech from the new the new um <clears throat> the new stuff so yeah i was just like oh you just want an eqb it's electric here you go <laughs> the range rover was incredible i felt like a princess like all week long just you know i felt like i should be giving the wave because it's just it's the most gorgeous car and I was driving around Gross Point, which there's a lot of gorgeous cars in Gross Point, but it was it was getting a lot of attention, and it just it's styled so nicely. Just you know, I get I got to give it up to Range Rover. I don't have one hundred and fifty three thousand dollars, but you know, not many automotive journalists do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I was just looking at the uh, supercharger map while you were talking, um, and. They 
the only supercharger in the city limits of Detroit is the one you mentioned at Woodward and Eight Mile. Um, and there are four destination chargers in downtown, in the downtown area, in various parking lots. The, it turns out the closest uh, supercharger to downtown Detroit is actually in Windsor. It's closer to downtown than the one on Eight Mile. Uh, so if, if you if you need a supercharger, you might need to duck through the tunnel and make sure you got your passport with you and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then head over to Windsor. But there are, there are others around outside. Uh, in fact, there's there's two supercharger stations here in the Ann Arbor area. Uh, one about a mile and a half away from me here, and one over on the west side of Ann Arbor. So we we have a higher concentration of superchargers uh, than pretty much any other place in Michigan. So, um, all right. Um, so the the uh, the the Range Rover you said was one hundred and fifty three. Uh, that was yeah. I mean, base price is one thirty five, but oh my god, the stuff this had on it thirty five hundred dollars for the most beautiful twenty three inch bespoke silver wheels that you've ever seen. Thirty five hundred dollars for wheels. I just thought that was a lot. I mean, that's that's not mm, cheap. But we've seen we've seen more expensive wheels than that. Yeah. You're, you're buying the Range Rover. That's how they yeah. get to. I mean, right. when you're up over a hundred grand, I mean, what's another three and a half grand for wheels? Thirty five hundred dollars for wheels. What's yeah. nothing? And nothing. Yeah. You know, the when they say bespoke, I mean, typically bespoke usually implies that it is <laughs> custom made for you. Like buying a bespoke suit, you go, you I know. get your body measured, and they cut and sew a suit to fit your body. I think anything over three thousand dollars is just bespoke. Unless it's something like you know they have designed a designed and cast a wheel specifically for your car that nobody else has, then it's not really bespoke. No, it's a miss. It's a misuse that word. Yeah. yeah. Words mean things, Range Rover. Words mean things. Not to marketers. No, that's true. Everything is <laughs> a coupe. Yeah, words have no meaning to uh, to marketers. Well, the exterior color is Batumi gold, so whatever. Oh, I've I've seen that. Yeah, it's it's an attractive color. Batumi, though, what is a Batumi? I'm not even sure what that is. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's probably made up. Probably, it, yeah. it probably has no meaning at all. But the caraway no. interior, it's like it's like butter. The the leather seats, massaging seats, you know, it's got everything. I didn't want to leave the car last week. I really, I did a lot of driving. I just did not want to leave. Just keep driving around. Mm-hmm. Just, just stop at a gas station every couple hours to refuel it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You want to talk about the fuel economy? Uh, oh, sure. Did it make it into the single or into the double digits? It did. It did oh. actually. Um, sixteen city, twenty one highway, eighteen, oh, wow. 18 uh, combined. Not, not horrible for a car. You know, for a vehicle that big. Is that the the supercharged V eight? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. It, yeah, it was. Uh, well, yeah, for, for 523 horsepower, it better be right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the Range Rover or the EQB? Not yet. I, I got to spend some more time in the in the Mercedes, you know, and and today I'll be doing that this afternoon, putting a couple hundred miles on it. Excellent. All right. Robbie, what do you got? So uh, I went to the uh, the old ye, old ye old Monterey Car Week this week, um, and while I was there, on the way there and back, and while I was there, I drove the BMW X5M Competition. So oh, because the an X5, X5 is exactly what you want to take to the track, right? 
Yes. And then you're like, you know what I need? I need a competition. And so that's what I got. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, um, as you can imagine. Um, Let's see. What's this puppy say? It has a lot of power that's not on the Monroney. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. You you keep talking. Uh, I'll look it up. uh, So, yeah. So, I, I, you know. The competition typically you're like, oh, I can, I'm gonna get in a, uh, an M2 or an M3, um, but now you can get that on the uh, on, on an X5, which is you know you need 617 horsepower whenever you're driving around in a in an SUV, so you got that going for you, which is nice. Um, 17 horsepower, yeah, yeah. Yes, why not? Why not? Why not? Um, yeah, you know, it, I got in the car and I was just like, okay, I got to drive this thing to Monterey from my house. And I was surprised at how well and the steering is super tight and really nice, like much better than I anticipated. I know it's an X5M competition. I know that's the whole deal is, you know, you want to be able to you know, technically take it on a track, I suppose. But yeah, no, it, it was, it did really, you know, the, the, uh, the cornering was really nice as much as you can chest cornering driving on the freeway. And then once you're up in Monterey car week, everyone brings their supercars and their Porsches and their whatnots. And, and then we all just sit in traffic. So it's good times. It's um, like the dream cruise in that respect. Yeah. You're like, I got this crazy car. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Sitting in traffic, looking at the adaptive cruise control, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I didn't have adaptive cruise control, actually. Um, which, you know, X5. Competition, you don't need cruise control, adaptive cruise control when you're okay, competing. I, I, I got I to gotta ask you a question, though. Since this was a competition, did it have the uh, the BMW seats with the extra crotch support? It did not have extra crotch support. Oh, okay. um, it just had regular seats, but it, they, they but they were also, uh, they, they had a massage. So... There you go. That's all I really cared about. Yeah, um, especially if you're sitting in traffic. Time. Yeah, for a long time on the way there, on the way back, and then while you're just cruising around. Um, overall, no, I really liked it. Actually, it, it's you know, it, it's is it is it too much power? Could they just get an X5 and be fine? Yes. Could you get to just get an X5M and be fine? <laughs> Completely. Could you? But if you want to throw down a big chunk of change, uh, the starting price on this vehicle is one hundred twenty-two thousand three hundred dollars. Oof. The vehicle as I, the vehicle I uh, took uh, delivery of one hundred forty one thousand four hundred forty five dollars. So, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it had the um, executive package, which means it had the heated and cooled cup holders, which is sort of like my favorite thing, by the way. Just like I want to be able to put my soda in there and then hit cold, and it just keeps my cold my soda nice and cold instead of you know two hours later. It's sort of so you could go light on the ice, so you're not watering it down. Yeah. And just have the cup holder keep it cold for you. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you drink, you know, warm drink, if you get, um, oh, you know, I got, I got, I got my, a chai and I put that in there and it's, it stayed nice and warm. So who cares about anything else this car That's did? all the reason. That's all you really need. I mean, yeah, it's sure got 600 plus. Literally, I don't yeah, care. It's got a heated and cooled cup holder. Yeah. But the, I mean, but the executive, it's $3,100. But you also get front and rear, front and rear heated seats, so everyone's butts are nice and cool, or nice and warm. And then it has the front massage seats. Um, do do do. What else? What other crazy things you added? Bowers and Wilkins uh, sound always nice. Uh, the driver's package twenty five hundred dollars, which I don't know, a bunch of stuff probably. Um, yeah, no, I mean for Car Week, you know, it it fit right in. To be honest, you want something that's sort of crazy, over the top, 
Um, I've gone to Car Week and uh, Integra um, and a Urus <laughs> <laughs> and a Ford Contour. <laughs> I rented a Ford Contour one year because that's the only car I could get because the uh, fleets because car week is here the fleets are all used up because they're you know they're yeah. giving out to journalists and executives and marketing people and and so the 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 fleet manager's like i got nothing for you man <laughs> and so i ended up uh, renting a ford contour and then going to events with maserati and lamborghini and mercedes perfect the valets because you end up going to people's houses that they've rented out and they park the car somewhere else and so the valets are like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, you, you scratch it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, what, what color was it? It was this like urban green. It, it was oh, almost the like Isle a, of Man green metallic. No, I think it's actually urban green. I think that's what they are. They're calling it. It's a different green. It's not the bright it's green. A, no, no. It's I, it's literally looks like. Oh. A, um, um, let's see if I can find it. I'm pretty sure it's called urban green. I wonder if that's an individual color. Yeah, you know, it, an actual it, bespoke color. Uh, Isle of Man. Da, da, da. No, I don't see it. I don't see it on here. Um, there, well, at oh, least I it wasn't one of the three shades of gray that they offer or two shades yeah. of black. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's called Ermine Green and it costs $5,000. Okay. So, so it is kind um, of bespoke. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, uh, um, it, it looks very close to mil- like a military green. Like, hmm. uh, like if, if war had broken out, they would have like, I, I would have been. You know, so you could have camouflaged it somewhere. Yeah, I could have just like got a little dirty and been fine. Um, yeah, it has, so it has a um, a four point four liter twin power turbo V eight. Um, it's got a forty eight uh, volt mild hybrid, so you can just sort of take off. That's like, that's always kind of nice. Um, it's you know M two all wheel drive, Apple CarPlay wireless so you can just you know wireless charging so you can just like you know keep your phone in your pocket if you're just driving down the street um to pick something up from the store which is always nice so we have that in our hyundai where it's wireless so i just get in the car and i drive in and it'll just like bloop, pop up and play music for you know 10 blocks and i don't have to like take my phone out of my pocket and find the charger plug it <laughs> in and shove it somewhere so yeah, yeah, no, it's it it's it's a good car. Uh, Fifteen miles per gallon combined. Um, Eighteen highway. I, I was getting about fourteen point eight. I think is what I ended up at the end of the uh, the time. Um, so I, I so the the Land Rover or the Range Rover was positively thrifty by comparison. Yeah, yeah, it's a thrifty. You know, they weren't like stomping on the accelerator though on their way back to uh, after getting stuck in traffic. To go to do a thing. I was very busy last week. I had a the, the car show, then like I had to leave the the Range Rover event, and uh, not the Range Rover. I'm sorry, the uh, Rolls Royce event, and drive directly to Alameda because my band was playing a show, and then there was all this traffic because people kept getting in accidents, probably because the car show, and like I just barely made it on time. So when I wasn't stuck in traffic, I was driving um, quickly, fast. I was driving fast, not quickly. So, yeah, uh, BMW X5M competition. Again, if you are someone with a lot of money and you still need an SUV for whatever reason, you know, for kids, um, and just the X5M just isn't cutting it for you, and you demand over 600 horsepower, you can get the competition. And everyone's going to have a good time in the car, except for people who are um, naturally nervous uh, when they're in. Or people, prone to motion sickness. 
are prone to motion sickness. Uh, and then I flew to Pittsburgh for the new job, um, and I had to rent a car. And it turns out the cheapest car you can rent at Hertz is a Model 3. Mm-hmm. So I drove the Model 3 for the first time in uh, quite some time, probably like five years. Um, it's very weird because I remember when this vehicle came out, um, I didn't give it a great review, to be honest. I was one of the first people to get it, and Tesla was not very happy with me for not giving it a great review. But I had a lot of issues with you know some of the, the safety uh, elements, the fact that the fact that I had to dig through uh, folders in order to get to the, the windshield wiper, stuff like that. So I got into the car and one of the big issues I had was it's, they were, they were telling me, well, it has auto wipers. So you don't need, you know, access to the windshield wipers. So I'm just driving around from the airport, uh, going to my hotel and for literally no reason, it's not raining. It's sunny outside. The wipers just start coming on. <laughs> They're just on. This is kept turning. I was like, what is happening? I was like, oh, maybe I drove, you know, behind something or I went through a puddle or someone in front of me had done their wipers and some of the water had hit the sensor. So I was like, okay, the first time I'm fine. But it just kept doing it for like five minutes. It would just turn on. I was like, all right. So I dug through the menus, <laughs> turned off the stupid wipers. And was like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. And, you, you, you know, I mean, the way they do that is they use the forward-facing camera to try to detect raindrops hitting the windshield. So – and that's the same cameras that they use for autopilot and quote unquote full self driving. If they can't detect something like raindrops, it's how not, do you think yeah. they're going to do with other stuff? It's not a good thing, to be yeah. honest. Um, I drove it around. You know, the chassis and the the drivability of it, it's really nice. You know, it it handles well. The comfort level is still not great. Um, my cousin went and bought one of these when they came out, and they he absolutely his wife drives it now. Um, he absolutely hates it just because it's uncomfortable. The kids, their their children hate, refuse to go on road trips in it just because it's uncomfortable, especially in the back. Um, I drove around. The seats were cushy, but like not comfortable. Does that make sense? Like a mm-hmm. bad lazy boy, like an off-brand lazy boy recliner. So kind of um, soft and mushy, but not yeah, really they're supportive sort of, where they need to be. Yeah, yeah. So they felt sort of soft and mushy and not really that supportive. Um, you know, if you're just driving around town, that's fine. If you're going on a long road trip, which is, you know, so, you know, kind of one of the reasons you would get a Model 3 is because you have that, you know, that really great Tesla charging network. So you can do a road trip without, you know, pulling your hair out or, you know, creating some sort of spreadsheet to determine where you could park or use or just using a better route planner, that app, which is really helpful. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's I they have a new version of this coming out sometime at the end of this you know. Well, they're going to announce a new one. Eventually. Yeah. Sometime this, this winter or fall, I hear word on the street. Um, and so we'll, we'll see if they've, they've fixed a few things. I, I just want a dash cluster. I don't know why that's so hard. I, I'm, I'm disappointed. At, at least, at least if you're not going to put that. Up, yeah. Head, head up, up display. Yeah. Like Volvo, their new inexpensive EV doesn't have a dash cluster or head up display. And I'm like, come on. At least VinFast has the head up display. Yeah. You want to be out done by VinFast? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> Apparently. So yeah, Model Three. Uh, you know, they're you can get them pretty. You know, I think this one. I'm looking at the forty thousand dollars. Is uh, you know, it's it's the it's you know it's the the rental special. So whatever the cheapest one they could get. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, if you're driving around town, it's a good little car. Um, you just you're just gonna get kind of irritated with 
especially if you become accustomed to buttons. And it's it's really interesting because when it came out, it's like the EQS. You know, it came out almost in a vacuum because there wasn't really much else out there. There was the the Bolt had been had, was out, and then the Leaf had been out, and the Leaf was kind of boring. The Bolt was, you know, it was for the time we're like, oh my god, this is you know, this is pretty good. And then this came out, and just you're like, oh, this you know, it handles really nice for this much money. Okay, fine. Um, but since then, so many other EVs have come out, and now you're like, well, why would I buy this when there's all these other things? And yeah, the the price, you know, forty thousand dollars, but I feel like you know, I'm I'm getting a better experience in my Kona EV, Kona EV, or a Nero EV, or you know, even the Bolt. You know, it feels like a better, you know, just in cab experience. This just sort of feels sort of. Eh, my fear is. My fear is a lot of people, the first EV that they get into is going to be a Tesla at a, at a Hertz, and they're going to find it so bizarre and so unlike anything they've ever driven. They're going to think all EVs are like this, and I don't want to deal with it. You know, there's there was an article in the New York Times this week, if you have a chance to look at it, it's, it's really funny. It was written by a native New Yorker who doesn't own a car, who went and rented a Tesla, and her her account of like the anxiety of trying to figure things out. It made me think, you know, she's not, she might be a New Yorker who doesn't own a car, but if, if people think these are EVs, it, it may not be good for the market. Yeah, it's like just, I mean, I drive car. That This was my argument with Tesla when I had the, when I had the car and I was doing my review is like, well, you know, I'm like, no, I, my job is to drive cars. That is my job. And when I'm having difficulty finding things and not just like one or two things, because every car, like, you know, Audi, where Audi keeps their, um, their ADAS stuff down in that weird little stock. I've, I've never been a fan of it. I've told Audi mm -hmm. a bunch of times. And every time I get in the car, I have to sort of like relearn what that little stock does because you can't really see it. Right. Um, no. With the. The Tesla, I'm like having to search for things every time. And I'm just like, well, everything is 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 in this. And I have to push this and push this. And instead of like giving me like, you know, relevant information on that screen, they're like, oh, here's a little here's a little uh, graphic interface to show you to see what the cars are around you. I'm like, that's cool for about 10 minutes when you first buy the car. After that, get rid of I don't care about that. Put all the information, you know, put the things that I will actually need to touch in that spot i don't need to see that oh there's a big truck going by i can see the big truck going by tesla i don't yeah. need that information constantly i don't need a little cartoon <laughs> constantly playing on my uh on my display so the rainbow road is is worth it you know on the on tesla <laughs> you can't put on rainbow road <laughs> you do the so rainbow you get, road no, I I was just driving around. I you can you can you can, and you don't have to like push in like special codes anymore. You can get get to all that Rainbow stuff. Rainbow Road, you just hit the um, right stock twice, and you're on. Yeah, it's like do, do, do. yeah, but I just I don't know. It's I I, <laughs> I just I just needed to get around town, and I, you know that and that's where you are with you know when you have a car is eventually you just need to get around town. You just need to do your stuff. You need you need to get to work. And some of the like sort of the goofy things, I'm just like, all right, fine, have your goofy things. And, you know, I think the in-car dog thing is really smart. I think the fact that only Rivian has like added that is is sort of bonkers to me. Um, the fact that Subaru doesn't have it yet is is weird because um, they're all about dogs and love. So right. yeah, you know, Tesla Model Three. I know the Tesla fans are going to be angry with me. Um, they were probably angry with me when I drove the car before, but. Well, they're angry with us all the time because we always say yeah. negative things about Tesla, and or well, we all or we say, don't, but the we thing don't is, we all say all. the same thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all say the same thing. And that's, that's, that's where the issue is. If like, if there's like, if I'm the only person who finds these things an issue, then you're like, okay, you know, that's, you know, sometimes your opinion is, is out of step with the rest of the world and that's fine. But when like everyone is saying the exact same thing, there's like, you know, it's, it's not like we don't, you know, the things that we complain about, you know, like having all these things buried in the touchscreen interface, we complain about that when, any automaker does it, not just Tesla. That's not not unique to Tesla, or not having not having a display in front of the driver. We complain about that. You know, doesn't matter if it's Tesla or anybody else. So, you know, these are just things that we think, you know, we don't think are the right things to do when you're designing a car. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Fortunately, some of the automakers are getting, they're wising up a bit about these things and they're adding buttons back in. So hopefully, you know, a lot of these issues. Are good. Buttons and knobs. Yeah. Buttons and knobs, you know, something I can just reach and turn or push or tap or whatever without having to take my eyes off the road. Every time I take my eyes off the road, I'm just like, this is not, this is no, bad. This is bad. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Well, I had uh, Toyota Supra. Uh, GR, or I should say the Toyota GR Supra, because it's not just a Supra, it's a GR Supra. Uh, and, um, I like the, well, first of all, this was the first one that I've driven that had a manual transmission. Nice. Um, I've driven the, driven the Supra before with an automatic, but this one last year for 90, 2023 model year, they added the option of a manual transmission. And that's something you cannot get in a BMW Z4, which happens to be built on the same assembly line and shares its platform with the Supra. Um, and uh, so uh, if you like this platform and you want three pedals and a shift it yourself uh, transmission, the Supra is the way to go. Um, the one I had was the, the premium, the Supra 3.0 premium. Um, and uh, it has a twin turbo um, three, sorry, twin turbo inline six cylinder, three liter engine, um, 382 horsepower, 368 foot pounds of torque. And I repeat that I believe that of all internal combustion engine form factors, 
the inline six is probably the ideal. Uh, it is torquey and powerful and smooth and it sounds great. Um, and I really love the powertrain in this thing. The shifter was also great, you know, nice slick shifting, um, nice, nice clutch pedal feel good, you know, take nice take up, you know, right kind of in the middle of the travel. Um, so I really enjoyed driving this. One thing that you may, that may annoy you um, is that, you know, they call it an intelligent manual transmission. Which means, I'm confused by that. <laughs> so basically it means it has rev matching. Okay. Okay. And this is not a new phenomenon. There are other cars that have this. The Nissan Z has rev matching, but the Nissan Z has a button on the console that you can press to turn rev matching on or turn it off. And if you, you don't really need if, rev matching when you're cruising through the target parking lot. <laughs> right. And if you don't want rev matching, if you want to, you know, be challenging yourself to, you know, see, you know, try to get that perfect shift every time, um, you know, sometimes you want to turn it off. There's no way to turn it off that I could find in the Supra. Um, oh. mm. Mm. So, you know, mm. overall, I I like the design of the Supra. You know, I like the, you know, the, the, the kind of the curves and everything. I think if they would just get rid of the fake vents, you know, and the, the front wheel, you know, in front of the rear wheel arch and on top of the, the front fenders and just kind of smooth that over and just have it solid sheet metal, I think it would be much better. But, you know, I like I like the proportions of it, you know, and, and if they could just smooth that out, I think it would actually I think people would be much less annoyed by the design of the Supra. Um, but uh, one complaint I do have about it is sitting in it, you know, especially after you've driven the Z, you know, which is probably its closest direct competitor, uh, you know, two seat rear wheel drive sports car uh, coupe is visibility in the Supra is really quite bad um you know because the, the way the roof line is going forward uh it's it's kind of a chopped roof you know so it's got a fairly small greenhouse and on the sides the the sides of the roof kind of curl over so you've got fairly short side windows so when you're at an intersection you almost always uh, at least here in michigan where a lot most of the intersections have traffic lights that are kind of strung diagonally across the intersection. Um, you know, so they're, they tend to be a little closer to you. You have to lean forward to see the lights, things like that, which is kind of annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, if you're going to be driving briskly, it's a good idea to, to have some visibility of what's around you and visibility and things. Yeah. Visibility out of the super is not great. Um, so, you know, even though the the Z4 doesn't have a manual, if I was gonna buy this platform, I I think I'd probably go for the BMW, uh, just because it's convertible. Um, but actually, I think I'd probably choose the Z, the Nissan Z, over this, um, just based on on visibility, being able to see out of it. Mm-hmm. Another reason I would choose the Z is the Supra has. Um, you know, when you get in it, you know, you can clearly see the BMW heritage, you know, the BMW parts, because it's got the iDrive infotainment system with their, their center controller, which I'm fine with that. But um, it, for some reason, this one does not, the Supra does not have support for Android Auto. It has support for CarPlay, but not Android Auto. And it's been, I haven't driven the current generation Z4, so I'm not sure if that one has it. I know other BMWs all have Android Auto support. Um, so 
that also was kind of a anno- kind of an annoyance. And of course, the Nissan Z does have support for that. Um, it does the the Super does have you know some Brembo four piston brakes front and rear. Um, you know, so good good solid brakes. I you know I was good with the ride quality. The handling felt really good. Uh, you know, it's a decent audio system, uh, twelve speaker JBL system. Um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, options that were on this thing um, it had the driver assist package for eleven ninety five, and because it's a manual, it doesn't didn't have any uh, adaptive cruise control, just standard cruise control, um, blind spot monitor, rear cross traffic alert, and parking sensors. You know, twelve hundred bucks for cruise control and blind spot monitor. Cross traffic alert. What? It's a it's a little steep. Um, you know, but you know, it this is basically a BMW, so you know, kind of BMW pricing. Um, this one also had carbon fiber mirror caps for $925. Because, you know, you you need those carbon fiber caps on your mirrors, on your side mirrors. You know, if your mirrors aren't carbon fiber, why are you even doing on the road? I, I know. So yeah. I think uh, I would I would probably take a pass on those. Um all in the uh the Supra the GR Supra 3.0 premium manual transmission um came to uh $59,040 uh which is you know, it's, a, it's a fair bit. Um you know you can you can get the uh the Z performance pack or you know whatever the the branding is you know the 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 higher the base Z starts at forty thousand dollars and the performance version which still has four hundred horsepower is fifty grand so you're looking at almost ten grand more for this one versus a Z um, and the Z has more cargo space in it uh, you know I, I know when uh, I had the the Z when my wife and I were leaving on a trip and I dropped it off at the airport easily fit to standard carry-on bags in the back of the Z and a couple of duffels or backpacks, no problem at all. Um, that would be a tight squeeze in the, uh, in the Supra. Um, so I, you know, there's a lot I like about this car and some things that are annoyances that I think might be a showstopper for me. Um, I did love the color though. Uh, this one came in the, uh, in stratosphere, which is a, a lovely shade of blue. Um, and, they um the the supra for 2023 at least offered uh five color options including stratosphere um nitro yellow uh renaissance red and then a black and a white and who cares about those so mm. you know three of the five colors were nice bold colors so that's that's a good trend that's i want to see more of that. more more bold colors um so that is the 2023 um gr supra um the 24 model um largely unchanged uh but the price has gone the base price has gone up by about 900 uh so it's a little more expensive um and the the base price you can also get the supra um with a two liter four-cylinder turbo um which starts at forty four thousand six forty. um the the standard the non-premium six-cylinder starts at 53.6 and then there's also the A91 MT, uh, which adds a few other bits of carbon fiber here and there. Um, starts at uh, at fifty nine four forty five. Uh, so uh, that's that's the Supra. Um, a lot of a lot of things to like, some annoyances, but o- overall, it's good good sports car. I'm glad I'm glad it exists. 
It, when you get in the Supra, I'm like, this car should be in a uh, convertible. And then you remember it's a Z4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I got in and I'm like, this car would be just like it, like two seconds. I could just make this into a convertible. And then you're immediately yeah. reminded, oh, it, the other car is a convertible. If, if, it, if it was a Z4 if it was, or if it was available as a convertible, then most of my complaints would would fall away. You know, I, I could yeah. I could live with it as a convertible. Yeah. But as, like, well, as I can't poop, see. Hard to see out of. I can now. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right so let's uh let's get into a few of the uh news items of the week um of course you know the single biggest news item of course was the launch of the uh, ford f-150 platinum black uh <laughs> yeah you know, platinum black uh you know, the, it's it's a matte black finish on an f-150 lightning um and it's not even painted it's it's actually wrapped for for an extra seven thousand dollars, they will wrap your lightning in matte black finish. Um, it's kind of badass, but my question is, you know, I, I've heard I, you know, wraps are not a big thing here in Michigan. They are in California, so maybe Robbie can speak to this. But my car's wrapped. Are is it okay? Yeah. They're harder to maintain, right? I mean, you can't go through no. a car wash. Well, I mean, I my my, you know, my Miata is, is wrapped. I wouldn't take that through a car uh-huh. wash anyway. So. Um, I but just it, wash that by hand. Okay, so this is going to have to be washed by hand, probably. Um, not necessarily. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think you know they probably did this, you know, in such a way that you know it, it's probably going to be fine with a car wash. Although you know, with a big truck like this, you know, a lot of car washes won't fit anyway. Yeah, it's just going to be like bloop, 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 back up, and then everyone yeah. else has to back up, and now you've just created a problem. <laughs> you know what I like not to, to to hijack the conversation, but I'm going to anyway. I like when people, you know, that spray on bed liner mm-hmm. that people can buy. They just spray the whole truck that. They just oh, spray the go. whole truck that spray on bed liner, and I'm like, I I enjoy that. That that means you're like, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm get. I'm, I'm trucking. I'm doing truck thing with my truck. Buy, buy an old beater truck. And just spray it and spray the whole thing in that. It probably adds like a like a hundred pounds of weight to a truck. I don't know. I don't know how much that stuff weighs, but I'll see that. And you like you touch it, and it's all like gristly and like hard. It's it's like yeah, it's it's almost like 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 feeling granite, like some you know like not the shiny granite, but granite out in the you know out in the wild. And um, I, I'm a big fan of that. So if they had made this into that, they're like, hey, you know the stuff we put in the, the spray-in bed liner? Yeah, we just did the whole truck. <laughs> the new Ford F-150 Lightning kick it if you want edition. There, There is one other detail um, that wasn't really mentioned in any of the Ford press materials, but I caught it from listening to, or watching, I think, uh, um, a TFL video that Andre did on this thing, <clears throat> which is uh, if you look at the pictures of it, on the uh, passenger side front fender, there, up until now, there has been a thing on the front fender that looked like a charge port door. Um, and when they first launched it, you know, they said, yeah, we, we did that, you know, so you'd have symmetry between the left and the right side. Yeah. But it doesn't uh, actually open. It, it's, it's, you know, it was fixed in place. It just looks like the one on the driver's side where the charge port is. So it just um, tricks you, your friends. Now, now that's gone. And so I'm I'm wondering, you know, my guess is, you know, that they they did this, um, you know, as a cost reduction because you know that having that extra part there and uh, having to install that and everything that adds cost. And so I'm wondering what other interesting 
cost reduction things they might have been do- they might be doing to the uh, to the lightning for model year 2024. Uh, it's so just- weird because you don't have like a gas you know cap on both sides of my car. Right. I know. It was symmetry. always kind of a it was always kind of a goofy thing. The Mercedes has the lidar or it's either the lidar or the radar on one on the Model S that has a uh, level 3 um, driver's assistance mm-hmm. and the the way it's set up is that there's another one on the other side that doesn't do anything. It's just it's there for symmetry because it's like right uh, Audi, in the front Audi of the car. Audi does the same thing. On, yeah, for on like the front models. fascia. So you're just like, yeah. okay. I'm like, what's this do? They're like, nothing. Yeah, it's just a dummy. <laughs> Engineers are like, it's just for symmetry. I'm like, all right, it's the front of the car. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like you can be looking at both the left and right front yeah, fenders at the you, same time anyway. How would you even uh, – I can't even imagine how – yeah, I don't – that's a weird – that was a weird decision, Ford. Yeah. So if you if you want a uh, factory wrapped uh, matte black F one fifty Lightning for twenty four, you can get one now for ninety eight thousand dollars. There you go. Or you can just go down to the local wrap place and have them wrap it for you. Yeah, for probably all the wraps I see are really nice. I don't know how much it cost. I don't know what's. Yeah, I mean the one the one that's on mine. Um, I'm not sure. It was the guy I bought it from actually had it wrapped. I think it was about uh $3000 something like that and Ooh. it still looks great you know it's like 8 9 years old now oh and that's pretty good you hand yeah. wash it and you garage it right yeah, yeah. uh but you know it it, it look, most people they don't you know when they see it they don't realize that it's wrapped you know they uh-huh. they just think that it's you know it's a silver color um you know and then i open the hood and they see that the underside of the hood or the door jams are white you know, which is what the original color of the car was. And, I, and oh, okay, that's cool. You got to anyway. get it wrapped like Hello Kitty stuff. That's, yeah. the, that's the power move. Well, when it's time to replace my wrap, I think I'm just going to get it repainted in Mariner Blue. Oh, you can get it wrapped in Mariner Blue. Well, maybe. Or you can get it wrapped in Mariner Blue with Pikachu on it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. All right. Um, also from Ford, uh, they're, they've just announced uh, a new product uh, in Europe that Ooh. sadly we will not get here because we big can't mistake. have nice things. Big, big mistake. They could yeah. sell bazillions. So many of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the uh, the new 2024 Ford Nugget Camper um, so- <laughs> with, uh, with a plug-in hybrid powertrain. So this is based on the Ford Transit um, Custom. Uh, so, you know, Ford sells a bunch of different sizes of vans that are all branded as transit. Um, and, uh, you know, you have the, the transit, just the standard transit, which is the big full size one. That's the one we have here. There's the transit connect, which is the compact one, which we did have here, but is now being discontinued. Um, and then there's the transit custom, which is the midsize one. And, you know, this is actually a really nice size. Um, but yeah, we can't, we can't have it for, for reasons. Every, everyone who doesn't do this in the United States is just giving that market to, um, to Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the Mercedes Mercedes is dropping the, the, uh, the Ventus Virtus. The Metris. Metris. The Metris. The Metris is gone, but the Sprinter, those things are everywhere here. Yeah. Every, they're all outfitted with all this crazy stuff. And it's there's nothing between that. There's like the you know you can you can you can buy an old VW bus. You can buy an old van again. 
or wait for the new one. Wait for the new. Wait for the new one. Well, which, apparently, you know, apparently, they're now saying that they're not going to do the. It's too the camper, uh Here, it's too heavy. That's the what it was. Yeah, yeah. For the, the that's that's too heavy for the for whatever reason, but. The P have for I think this thing starts at like eighty thousand, eighty three thousand dollars. Um, it's still cheaper than the Sprinter because the Sprinter is a a big giant Mercedes, and you need something that's not quite this ginormous like size of a house uh, van for people. And they would sell so many of these, and I just don't think they realize it. I'm like, you remember when you were like, oh, I don't know if we should do the Maverick or not? Yeah, you should look into this. <laughs> yeah. Ford, 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 at the very least, you know, Ford should offer the the big transit with a pop up camper option. Yeah, you know, which, which I don't know why they don't, you know, or or have you know partner with somebody to do you know a version of it, you know an upfitter to do to do a pop up camper version because uh, that would be really cool. But yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of little bespoke companies that'll do all this, but the fact yeah. that you could just get one direct, some people just want to buy it and go do things. Yeah. Mercedes are yeah Mercedes deal with uh and they they I think they have a deal with a couple up 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 uh upfitters up, upfitters yeah yeah there's one uh, there's one like two doors down from my house neighbors have it I'm like man you yeah I know two. when last year when my wife and I were out there vacationing you know in Sonoma um you know we saw um the uh, sprinters you know overlanding sprinters everywhere you know, or yeah. various sprinter campers, you know, everywhere, driving up and down Highway One and all everywhere over that area. It's, it's we're silly with them. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, um, a few weeks back, we talked about. Uh, well, there we've, we've talked about before about the law that was voted in by uh, voters in Massachusetts to require for right to repair that required automakers to make um to open up their telematic systems to enable um customers to take their cars to independent repair shops and have them diagnosed over the air through the through the telematic system which dealers can do now you know and you know most automakers have this you know you can do um you know remote vehicle diagnostics on your car you know if the if a light comes on can tell you what the what the problem is um but they've never opened this up to independent repair shops so Massachusetts voters voted in what, uh, late in November 2021 uh, for a an amendment to their right to repair law that would require manufacturers to do this. Um, once that was passed, Subaru announced that they would no longer offer telematics on their cars sold in Massachusetts, uh, which is kind of crazy. And a couple a month or two ago, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said yeah we we don't think that uh, automakers should comply with this because um you know there there could be security problems um which you know is is a real issue you know there you know if you're opening up your telematic system you know this is this is a system that can not only read information from your car but it can also send commands to your car to do things potentially and um uh you know nitsa initially said yeah, no, we don't. We don't think automakers should do this. Uh, but now they have changed their mind and they've given approval. Um, so automakers, I think, are still fighting this. Um, the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which is usually kind of the opposite of that, um, is uh, uh, is is I think is still fighting this. But uh, um, the federal regulators have said, nope, go ahead. We've we've looked at it. We don't think that there's going to be a problem here. 
So if you're in Massachusetts, you'd be able to get your, uh, get your things, um, get your car remotely, um, uh, remotely diagnosed with, uh, through the telematic system going forward. Um, all right, let's talk about the Chevy Blazer EV police pursuit. Now, Tanya, you had originally, when the, when the Blazer was announced last year, I think you, uh, put in a reservation for one, right? And you, and I already asked for my money back, right? <laughs> uh, because oh. you won't be able to use your car play in there. No, uh, no, no, that's not why I, I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm having problems with GM, but that's like a whole nother show. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Chevy is uh, now the first automaker to officially offer a p- police pursuit package on one of their electric vehicles. Um, and that's on, on the blazer La- last year, Ford took, they, they brought one of their must uh, Mach-E GTs to the annual Michigan state police um, testing program, which they do every September. They test all of the, the police rated vehicles um, for various performance and, and other criteria. And um, the, you know, they just took a stock Mach-E. They didn't make any changes to it. You know, they wanted to see how it would perform against the other cars and it didn't do great um, because of, you know, issues with, you know, motors and batteries overheating and, and other stuff. Now um, Chevrolet is the first to actually offer an official police, police uh, package for the Blazer EV. Um, what do you think about this? I think it's going to be my next speeding ticket. They're not going <laughs> to going to see it in my rear view mirror on I-96. I've already said that, but it it looks like, I mean, the, the, I guess the thing is the blazer versus they, they wouldn't do it with the Equinox EV because it doesn't have the performance that the blazer is going to have. And, and they obviously need to be able to go fast. You know, it's probably the biggest thing. Um, and an EV, you know, it's, it's going to be, I think, and it's going to be reasonably priced compared to a lot, you know, the, the, I think the other problem with Ford is it was going to just be too expensive. Um, well, uh, they haven't really said what the pricing is going to be on, on the pursuit, the police package. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily count on it being all that reasonably priced. Cause this is, this is based on the blazer EVSS right, uh, right. powertrain, which is, which is, is you know, it's about the same price as the Mach-E GT. True. Um, so it's, it's not going to necessarily be cheaper. What, what Chevy is doing is they are pre-wiring it from the factory for all of the lights and radios and everything. So it's got a different wiring harness from what you'll find in a civilian blazer. Um, so, you know, when they hook up all the lights and all the other stuff that needs to go into a police vehicle, you know, they won't have to do any modifications to the wiring. It's basically just going to be plug and play. So there is that. Um, and this version, um, for the, uh, for the police package is supposed to have a, ra- a range rating of about 250 miles and it comes with 20 inch steel wheels. So 20 inch steelies. Cool. yeah, I don't think they're offering those for the consumer packages, unfortunately. No, but I'm sure you'll be able to get them. You know, if you, if you really yeah, want, if you, yeah. if you really want, uh, steelies. Um, so yeah, you won't, you know. Consumers won't be able to order those, you know, from the factory, but you, you can be able, to be able to find something off the off off, off the uh, internet or somewhere. Um, so yeah, so expect. Uh, oh, and one of the other things they have in there is uh, a stealth mode that uh, officers can engage. So if they're 
you know, going down a dark alley, you know, after somebody, you know, not only is this thing quiet, but they can also turn off all the lights, you know, so just kind of creep along in the dark and you would never know it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And for a police vehicle, you kind of need that. Yep. Well, it's smart for GM. They're going to get more blazers out in front of people, more EVs out in front of people, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it's, it's kind of like Barbie, you know, you want, you just want more people to see your vehicle, your EV and, and to think about it. Yeah. And they also, they have something, you know, roughly equivalent to uh, the do- the Tesla dog mode. You know, you can, the officers will be able to keep, keep the car yeah. on. Yeah. You know, so when they, when they step away from the vehicle, you know, with the fob in their pocket, they can leave it running and uh leave things like air conditioning and uh, or heat on you know so if they have somebody in the back of the vehicle it, you know they can leave everything closed or a up. dog or a dog, dog. yeah yeah they, they, in, in the yeah in the video uh the chevy video they specifically mention you know for canine y- units you know they'll be able to leave the air conditioning on with the dogs in the car and you know as a as a crossover as a mid-sized crossover it's got decent amount of cargo space in the back for all the gear that uh that officers carry when they're on duty um you know all the radios and all the other gear that they have to take along with them which was always one of the complaints with the uh the Dodge Charger the the cops love the performance of the Charger but the Charger had a relatively small trunk yeah um, and with a spare tire in there you know it was often a problem getting all the equipment in there so the that's that's why a lot of uh, police forces chose the Explorer or uh, the Tahoe over the uh, sedans because they had a lot more space in the back. And so this this will give them a good option for that. This might have a frunk too, right? I I, I can't remember uh, if, got, if it has any frunk or not. For more I don't frunk. think it does. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think you know I think this has you know the similar architecture to the uh, uh, the Lyric. So it probably doesn't have a frunk in there. Okay. Um, all right. Um, the Kia EV5 um, is something that we don't know for sure if this is coming to America. I'd say it's probably a pretty safe bet that it will. I uh, hope it does. Uh, but it was uh, unveiled this week at the uh, Chengdu Motor Show in China uh, by Kia. Um, looks a lot like the EV9, but smaller. Uh, it's a two-row midsize crossover, comp- compact-ish midsize. Um, I, I found the specs for it, uh, which weren't listed on the Kia Media site, um, but it's basically almost the same size as the new Sportage. Um, so uh, based on the eGMP platform, uh, and uh, what, what do you think about this one? Bring it here. Yeah. The end. i driven the ev9 i really liked it i'm like oh well this is just a small ev9 for people who don't need you know a third row to you bring it here bring it i'm getting pop-ups sorry go ahead (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to look at the pictures and i just scrolled go go over to the other link the the kia news center link um that's that's the their global um media press page yeah yeah um, so yeah, it, it's, it's pretty cool looking, I think. Um, and, uh, if you, if you look at the picture of the dashboard, the interior and zoom in on it, you can see that, uh, unlike other current, uh, Kias like the EV6, uh, this one has some physical buttons under the touchscreen 
uh, for things like the climate control. So, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of us have complained about on the EV6 and some other recent Kias is that touch panel across the, the, the dash underneath the touch screen for media controls and climate controls that toggles back and forth between the two. And mm-hmm. um, that, you know, is kind of a pain. And uh, they they didn't do that on this one. They actually kind of reverted back to some physical controls, physical there's rockers for the uh, temperature control, the fan speed, the mode. Um, and then there's a little a roller switch for volume right in the middle. Uh, so that that was really nice to see there. I must um, be the only person who likes the toggle. You know, I, I, once you get used to it on the on the EV6, I think it's brilliant. You know, you just hit the arrow and then you, you get whole new control system and it's very clean. And then I'm always turning. Well, it's smart because they updated it because originally it would just stay on that thing. And you could set, I think you could set it in like media. So you you hit it and then it goes to uh, climate controls. And after a moment, it goes back to audio. So you're not like turning up the sound, but instead it's just getting warmer and warmer. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So they've made it better, but I do like, I just want a physical button. I just want to like, a few I don't buttons. Want to hit something. I don't want to have to hit two buttons in order just to make it a little bit warmer in my car or a little bit cooler. Well, you and- can use voice command. Hit one button, yeah. I'm cold, and it'll get warm. Just yell, make it cold. <laughs> <laughs> I demand frigid air. <laughs> one, one interesting detail on here is if you look at the front seats, the, the photos of the front seats, they show it, the, the passenger seat kind of wrapping over the center console. So it's almost like a bench seat, except it's not. Um you know, because you can't, there's no seat belt there. There's no extra seat belt there. And there's no <laughs> seat cushion. It's just the armrest or, the, you know, the center armrest folds up. So I'm not sure why they did this. But it's you know, for your tiny purse. dog. It's not a purse. I mean, for a woman's purse, you can just set it there. There's almost like a little groove to hold it. I don't know. That's that's what I saw when I looked at well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, you've there's that the, the bin there, you know, which is fine. But I guess why do you need like the seat cushion kind of extending over top of that? It's just, it seems dog. a little odd for tiny dogs. Yeah, could be. Well, this uh, isn't there like a, a an armrest that comes down. It like yeah. over it. Yeah, there is. Which which so, yeah, makes so you all have the, the armrest. So you have the the armrest that comes down that has like all your little storage that comes over it. But then you lift it up, and then you just like put your tiny dog, and then you're you get a little special harness for him, and yeah. you connect it to that armrest, and then your little tiny dog gets it up front with you. I think yeah. this is as much about design aesthetics as it is functionality. I think Definitely. they're trying to keep that, you know, sort of consistent color across the middle. And yeah, I mean, it would have looked weird if it had been matte black or, you know, piano. Yeah, tiny. I'm telling you, tiny dog. Tiny dog. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, my gives, final answer. Gives, gives a cushioned area for your tiny dog. Yeah. You put like, the, the little, again, the, the little armor. They don't have to up, sit on the hard. It locks up. And yeah. then you have a little harness and attaches to the to the uh, to the little armrest area, and then your little tiny dog can just sit up there with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, nice I have a harness for my dog. You know, when when she See? comes in the car with us, I you know it it plugs into the uh, into seat the seatbelt buckle. Seatbelt. Yeah, so I hook hook it up to her, her regular harness that I use when when we're walking, and uh, hook and then plug it into the seatbelt. And what, you know, wouldn't it be great. nice if if you and your wife could sit in the front seat and then have Daisy sitting right between you with her little harness? She could help you drive. She could help you drive. She could bat your paw. She could could possibly go on. She could like change the station on the radio. (laughs) 
Slow down. Slow down. It's like too fast, too fast, too fast. Where are we going? What are you in a hurry for? Where's the fire, buddy? <laughs> other other than that, I, I really like the design of this. And I, I hope that they do uh, bring this here. And I, I'm guessing that we'll probably see it maybe at the LA Auto Show in November. That's a good guess. That's a very yeah. good guess. La Auto Show. All right. Um, yeah. And, you know, it it would it would be a, a good alternative for Kia in that size class, you know, that is more, you know, like a real crossover-ish SUV as opposed to the EV6, which despite being classified as a crossover, it's not a crossover. It's it's a hatchback. And that's good because I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, staying with uh, with Kia. Sadly, it appears that the uh, the Rio is going to be no more for the U.S. market. Um, they Kia has unveiled uh, the um, K K K three, I think, which is their new small car, um, which is going to be available in Mexico. It's going to be built in Mexico, actually, um, you know, for the Latin American market. But apparently, we will not be getting that here in North in in the U.S. or in Canada. Um, which is unfortunate because the, the Rio is quite, quite a nice little car, you know, and it's one of the three cars that you can still get that has a base sticker price that is well under $20,000. Uh, the other ones being the Mitsubishi Mirage, which, you know, why? Right. And and the, the Nissan um, Versa, which is also a pretty decent car for the price. Um, but the, the Rio is apparently going away. Too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people say they, they complain about cars being too expensive and they want cheaper cars and then they, they offer a cheaper car like this. And it's it's just not selling enough volume to make it to make it practical. So it's like, you know, they got to market. They sold 27,000 in 2022. And so far this year, they've sold 16. Yeah. I feel like 20 should be like as good enough. But, you know, when you only have... When you have yeah. to look at your everything else, is when, you, when you got when you have to invest tens of billions of dollars in electrification, you know the cost yeah. to to uh, homologate uh, something like the Rio for the U.S. market probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Those cars don't make enough money, and, and dealers don't want them. That's that's the biggest problem: is dealers don't want them. Yeah, they want something with higher margins. Yeah, big time. Yep. Um, all right, back to charging. Um, the uh, uh, Robbie, I know you've tried the Tesla Magic Dock. Uh, I have, and I don't it think it worked surprisingly well. Have Have you had a chance to try one out, Tanya? It's still the closest one is Indianapolis, right? So yeah, Indianapolis like or Buffalo. Or or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can now get a Magic Dock for home. Um, Tesla has just launched their uh, universal wall adapter, um, which is. You know, it's their home charger. It's their it's their home level two charger, uh, but it now basically has uh, a magic dock uh, built into it. So it works a lot like the uh, the the supercharger magic dock, um, in that there is a built in adapter for J seventeen seventy two port, which is what you get on all the non Tesla uh, EVs, and um, uh, un- unlike the uh, the supercharger, you don't have to use the Tesla app with it uh so if you just pull the cord out it comes out with just the nacs connector on the standard tesla nacs connector and if you're charging your tesla you can use that or if you want to charge a non-tesla vehicle at home with this thing um there's an adapter built in there and you just grab you when you when you grab it you grab that part of it 
and it pulls out and it's already connected on the NACS connector and it's latched on there. So you can't pull them apart and uh, you plug it into your, your non-Tesla EV. And uh, once it, as soon as it starts charging, it locks on there. So you can't pull it apart, uh, which is, which is good. Um, and it's, uh, you know, give, gives you an option, you know, so if you have a, a mixed household with Tesla and non-Tesla vehicles, or you just want to, you know, be prepared for the day when uh, everybody is using NACS connectors. You can get these things now through uh, through Tesla through their website. Um, and uh, app. I'm on the app right now, looking at it. It's five hundred and ninety five dollars. Yeah, so it's it's pricey. It, it's quite a bit more expensive than a lot of other chargers. Although, you know, if you can get eleven point five kilowatts out of it, though. Yeah, you know, if you compare it to Pretty other, good. you know, 11 kilowatt chargers, you know, they're they're smart chargers. You can monitor them. You know, they're connected, so you can monitor it with the app and you know, monitor the state of charge and charging speeds and everything. It's actually in the same ballpark. The the Autel uh, home charger that I've been testing for a few months now, um, that one is priced about the same, and that's a, a 9.6 kilowatt charger. Uh, so um, it's it's similar similar pricing uh, to those. Um, and then the standard Tesla wall connector that doesn't have the magic dock that only supports NACS, that one's $475. So yeah, not that much more really. Yeah. So, and, uh, Tom Malogny did a, a good video, uh, first, uh, first test of this that I'll include the link to that in the show notes. Uh, Tom, Tom does a lot of good stuff with charging. He knows his charging. Yep. Um, and then one last item uh, is uh, TFL. I want to give a shout out to the to Roman and Tommy and Andre and Nathan and everybody else at TFL. Um, Roman uh, was nice enough to give us a shout out on TFL Talk last week, um, and uh, these guys do some great work. Um, you know, they've got the TFL Talk web uh, podcast, but they they do a lot of videos every week on a lot of different stuff. They do trucks and cars and. EVs and off-road stuff, uh, and bikes and classic cars, some some really funny stuff, uh, including the cheap Jeep series that they're running right now. Um, Roman told me about this last spring. Um, he uh, he gave Tommy, his son, uh, Nathan, and Andre a task. Gave them each ten thousand dollar budget to go out and buy a Jeep. Um, and you know, whatever they didn't spend out of the $10,000 on the vehicle, they could spend towards upgrades for the vehicle. And the goal was to get a cheap Jeep and take it to Moab and see if it could survive. Uh, and they just published episode four today, uh, which is their trip to Moab, uh, with the, uh, with the cheap Jeeps, Tommy bought a 61 Willys CJ five, uh, which yeah. that's, that's going hardcore. Tommy doesn't mess around. Um, and uh Nathan, got time for shenanigans. <laughs> Nathan and Andre both bought uh Jeep Liberties. Uh, Andre got a first gen Liberty and Nathan got a second gen Liberty. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna say the first gen Liberty to me seems like the biggest <laughs> the first gen Liberty, which is the mid two thousands, which isn't a great time for American vehicles, to be honest. Um, that seems like the bigger uh the bigger gamble to me. <laughs> yeah. Although it was also the cheapest. I think he he paid like thirty three hundred dollars for it. Yeah, that's bad. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it only had 200,000 miles on it. So oh, okay. what could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong with <laughs> mid-2000s <laughs> Jeep, Jeep engines? Well, well, the that 61 CJ5 had 
four wheel drum brakes, um, no locking diffs, you know, none of the fancy stuff. It does have like, I think four shift levers down there, or maybe it's three, three, I think it's four shift levers, you know, to lock the transfer case and, uh, to shift between four low and four high. You have to go out and lock the hubs. It has manual locking hubs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I'll put, I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes uh, to a playlist of all the episodes, the four episodes, and there's one more bonus episode coming up. Uh, so the, the Moab episode, like I said, just came up, came up this morning as we we're recording this. And then uh, there's one more bonus episode coming about the, uh, the trip from Boulder where they're based uh, out to Moab uh, towing the, uh, the, the cheap Jeeps out there. Uh, it's very entertaining. Uh, and, like I said, Roman and the team do a lot of great work there. So, if, yeah, definitely recommend that you subscribe to their channels and and watch some watch their videos. Good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, and and great people too. Yeah, they're good people. Um, all right, let's answer some listener emails. Uh, first up, Michael Burns uh, says uh, he asked this in the Discord for user discussion. Now I'm curious if you're hearing anything about this unusual tire. Um, problem on uh, Volvo PHEVs. So uh, M Mr. Burns in Atlanta <laughs> asks, this is a hypothetical, uh, which means I'm pretty sure it's not hypothetical. Uh, a driver buys a new 2022 Volvo XC60 recharge. That's the plug-in hybrid. Puts 10,000 miles on the PHEV in about a year. Uh, it's shod in Continental tires uh, or whatever OEM tires come with the car. Um, two, three days per week, the driver commutes about 70 miles round trip to Atlanta interstate on Atlanta interstates to the office. Uh, the driver never gets the tires rotated and, you know, keep in mind, this is only 10,000 miles. Yet the car has been serviced by a Volvo dealership two to three times for prepaid maintenance and one to two times with the PHV stuff. Upon driving to Florida at around the year mark, the driver discovers that the rear set of continentals are bald showing what's underneath the rubber. The driver replaces all four tires with Pirelli's and is told the following by, an, by a reputable tire shop. One, there's a lot more weight on the rear tires because of the PHEV batteries. The, two, the higher torque from the PHEV is going to wear these tires more. And three, this would not have happened if the driver or dealership had rotated the tires at least once in the last year. Does this sound like a plausible argument? Uh, something about which lacks PHEV drivers should be aware. Uh, should the dealership have rotated the tires at least once with Volvo's current warranties and, and included service, luxury car, luxury car, nice stuff. Um, would the Continentals have been some sort of specialty high efficiency tire for EVs or PHEVs that didn't wear as well? Uh, note the hypothetical driver may also have hypothetically found forum discussions about premature tire wear failure on their Volvo recharge CVs. Um, so uh, the answer is yes, right? Yeah, I mean, you, well, I think, I don't know how the the power distribution is. It's an all-wheel drive vehicle. But if you take off, if you're the kind of person who stomps on the, the accelerator all the time, and if the initial, well, yeah, because the car leans back, so you're going to add more weight. to. You already have the weight back there, so you're already, so yeah, especially if you're someone who stomps right. on the accelerator a lot. And, you're going to wear the, it through those tires. And the Volvos have, you know, what is a, a sort of unusual um, powertrain configuration. So most hybrids and plug-in hybrids, the, the engine is combined with the transmission uh, in the front of the car. And so drive you get drive from both the engine and the motor in various combinations through the transmission to either two or four wheels. Um, and the Volvo is a little different. So 
the Volvo is configured like a front wheel drive car. So you got the engine in the front, it's transverse mounted, drives the front wheels through the transmission. So the front, the, the engine is only driving the front wheels. And then there's an electric motor on the uh, rear axle. Uh, yeah. So it's what's known as a through the road hybrid. Um, so the electric drive goes through the, through the rears. So a couple of things here. Yes, you know, anything that is electric or electrified plug-in hybrid or or electric um is going to tend to wear the tires, the dry the the tires that are the wheels that are being driven by the electric motor are going to tend to wear faster because of that extra instantaneous torque. And this is this is an issue across the board with electric electrified vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um so the the higher torque is going to have an impact there. Um in the case of the the Volvos, there's also more weight on the rear axle than you would have on the internal combustion version. Although, um, compared to certainly compared to the front wheel drive version, uh, the all wheel drive, um, the difference is not going to be as huge because their battery runs down the center tunnel. Um, so you're going to have more weight on the back, but you're also going to have more weight on the front. It's kind of more evenly distributed. Uh, but you will have more weight on the back because of the electric motor. Um, and then um, finally, uh, this would not have happened if the if the tires had been rotated. That is also true. Or at the very least, your you tires wear, would have wear, you, worn more quickly evenly. You even you you sort of spread it out. Right. Yeah, right. I really feel like the dealers were negligent and not not rotating because even on an yeah. on ice vehicle, you rotate every you know fifty. 5,000 to 7,500 miles. And it's going to have to yeah. be more than that on EVs. It's just people are going to have to get used to rotating their tires a lot. I actually, mm-hmm. actually should just realize I should go rotate the tires on the Hyundai. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I was like, wait, when's the, how many miles are on the Hyundai? When's the last time we rotate it? I'm like, you know what? I think I need to get that done. <laughs> yep. Yep. See, that's, that's, that's one of the disadvantages of an EV compared to an internal combustion vehicle. You know, every time you go get an oil change, you have the tires rotated and you're good. Works out fine. Because you just sort of like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Because you really, like, the only thing we've really done so far is that we had them rotated before, and I put uh, windshield wiper fluid in there. Yeah. That's, that's... And, you know, unless unless you're going to, uh, like, if you go to any dealer or any, you know, most, most shops, unless you're going to one of these quick oil change places where they typically are not set up to do that tire rotation, if you go to a dealer or anything else, they usually package tire rotation um, with an oil change. Because, you know, it takes like 10 minutes to rotate yeah. all four tires in a shop. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, plan, plan on rotate, especially, you know, if you've got anything that's either two-wheel drive or has uh, a configuration like this where you've got, you know, internal combustion and electric drive split between the two axles. Um, it's it's a good idea to, to plan on rotating your tires about every five to 7,000 miles. And at least that will even out the wear. So you'd probably um, actually, you'd probably get closer somewhere between 15 and 20,000 miles out of these tires, um, it, you know, before they would need to be replaced uh, in, in this case. You know, obviously when you put the front tires on the rear, then, you know, they're going to wear a little faster, but, you know, you're not going to wear them unevenly in that case. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up from LJ uh, says, uh, listening to uh, this week's podcast and fear in an effort to provide context, I instead provided confusion. Uh, so LJ had written in before says the bad about about his experience uh, with ordering or and disordering a Cadillac Lyric. 
the bad news is that you re-answered my question from May 1st, but apparently didn't see the August 13th update. My fault there. I got confused. Um, the good news is that your answers were consistent. Oh, okay. well, at, least, at least we answered the same question twice in the same way. Uh, I wait for your review of the Lyric, but it doesn't seem like Cadillac has released any vehicles for review as there haven't been any professional reviews since Park City. Um, there, there have been a few that have popped up. Um, there, I think some lyrics are starting to trickle out into the press fleet. Um, I know, uh, Tom Malagny, who I mentioned recently got his hands on one and reviewed it. Um, and actually was quite positive about it. He did his, uh, his 70 mile per hour range test and it got well over 300 miles an hour, well over 300 miles of range, um, with, uh, even driving at 70 on the highway. So that's good. Uh, so here's the text of the follow-up email that we neglected to answer because I neglected to put it in the show notes. Uh, so just to follow up, uh, inspired by, in part by uh, this week's listener message, felt uh, long, so feel free to use none of it. Um, uh, after about a week after I had sent this email, I called my dealership to change my order. They informed me, informed me that my car had been scheduled for June 12th and I was no longer able to make changes. They also said that it would probably take two to three months for my vehicle to arrive after it had been built due to shipment issues, etc. On June 30th, I received a call from the dealer saying that my car had arrived to come pick it up. Uh, they had not received any advance notice from GM that the vehicle had shipped. It just showed up. Uh, the huh, car, there you go. <laughs> the car itself so, so like rides. Price... In... Yeah, and and this this happens sometimes, you know, and it it depends a lot on where you're located. Um, you know, sometimes if you happen to live in relative close geographic proximity to the factory, it can arrive fairly quickly. Um, or sometimes it can take months. Uh, like I once ordered a Chrysler vehicle that was built in Sterling Heights, Michigan, and it took two months to get from the factory to my dealer. So there's that. Anyway, the car itself rides and drives nice and compares favorably to the BMW X5 I'd owned previously, and it stickers for a few grand less than the X5 did back in 17. It's an SUV and does what an SUV is supposed to do, haul a couple of people around and pick up mulch on the weekend. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, probably 10 or 12 bags. As an all-wheel drive, it has 500 horsepower and more than enough get up and go. Uh, so that means he got a, a 2024 model, so that, that's good. Uh, while marginally quieter than the X5, the tire noise on certain road surfaces make conversations and auto podcasts hard to hear. Although I was unable to upgrade uh, to the luxury, although I was unable to upgrade to the luxury two trim, which is closer to the debut edition I had pre-ordered last May, GM, uh, after much wrangling, decided to honor the five thousand dollar rebate they had given others in my situation. That means that all in after the rebate and tax incentive. The car came to $54,000, including the $1,395 delivery fee. Turns out that part of the problem with the slow production and the failure to build many 23 debut editions is that they didn't have enough Super Cruise to go around, so the Level 1 cars got built before the upscale 2 and 3 level cars were scheduled. That is true. GM uh, <clears throat> was um, leaving Super Cruise off a number of vehicles where it was optional uh, because they they had part of the, part of the chip shortage. Um, and on cars like the, uh, the Lyric, where it was standard, they just, that was part of the reason why they didn't build as many because they couldn't get those parts. It wasn't um, even on the, the cars that we test drove in Park City, you know, yeah, they, they had the hardware, yeah. but the software wasn't ready at that right. point. Right. Um, but you know, rather than build the cars without the hardware, they just, you know, that was one of the things that led to production delays. One of, one of several things, but anyway, problems in a month and a half, I've had three. 
the front passenger inside door latch did not work properly. It should have been caught at the factory or pre-delivery, but it wasn't. In fact, when the sales guy was saying goodbye and getting out of the car, it didn't work for him. Turns out there's a cable inside the panel and it wasn't seated properly. That's well, not that, good. Yeah. That's good. Um, and then 12 volt battery failure. This is a biggie and is getting the most attention. It seems to be more prominent on 23s, but it happened to mine two weeks after delivery. Apparently there's a phantom draw on the 12 volt battery. And even with an 80% state of charge, my car would not move. The fix was getting my car towed in and having the firmware on the gateway module updated. They say it was a phantom draw, but I feel that there has to be more to it than that. Uh, my car has been plugged in overnight just prior to the failure. Something has to regulate how and when the 12-volt battery takes a charge, and that must have failed as well. I did see an unscientific poll of Lyric owners on a group I'm in, and roughly a third of 23 owners uh, have reported experiencing this while only two-thirds uh, or two of 32 uh, 2024 uh, lyric, uh, lyrics had this issue. So yeah, this is not an uncommon problem on a lot of EVs. Um, sometimes it's a hardware issue. Um, my guess is in this case here, it's actually a software issue. And I know one of the things that has held up lyric production is a bunch of different software issues because there's a lot of new stuff in this car in terms of its electrical and electronic architecture. Um, and it's possible that there was a bug that was causing something to stay running when it shouldn't have been when the car was parked and draining the 12 volt battery. Um, so hopefully, you know, you'll get a software update that, that fixes this. Yeah. Uh, for those listening who don't like the 12 volt battery is like the battery you have in your regular ice car. And like we left the, the trunk didn't close all the way on our, on our Hyundai. And so it drained the battery. So we had to jumpstart our Hyundai. <laughs> our <laughs> the car to get it started one day i was like well i'm just out here jump starting my car <laughs> yep uh and then a blackout on the infotainment screen i was driving along and the entire infotainment screen went dark no sam this is not an improvement this is a problem <laughs> it started working again after the car sat a while and i see online that this is not uncommon across several vehicle lines at gm apparently you can hold the hang up phone button on the steering wheel for 10 seconds and it will reboot the screen so this is actually something I I certainly experienced back in last June, June of last year when we drove it in Utah, um, was various issues with either the instrument cluster or the infotainment screen just going completely blank. Um, and um, that that is a problem. Um, it's, 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 it's a real problem because there's so much stuff that you actually have to control through that touchscreen. Mm -hmm. Um and again, this was this was a software issue, uh, and it sounds like they're still having some software bugs even even now. You know, more than a year after production nominally started. Um, so, uh, so sounds like GM still got some work to do, mm -hmm. uh, which may be why they don't want to mess around with uh, with smartphone projection because they got so many other software things to fix. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, issues and opportunities. Every car has things that some people hate and others don't. That's all subjective, but there are a few first world problem things that I feel should be addressed. The garage door opener button is on the infotainment screen behind a menu select. So you have to hit a, min a minimum of two buttons uh, to, open, to open and close the door. 
With therapy, I could probably learn to live with this, but the real problem <laughs> is that most people back out of their garage and many cars, and the lyric this, being one of them, have their own this, info screen dominated by the backup camera. This means you have to back out of your garage and put the car in park or neutral and then hit two or three buttons. Absolutely. Not a huge this, deal, but certainly a bad design. This has been like solved like decades ago where it's just in your rearview mirror. But then you actually have to put buttons in there and have wiring yeah. for that and this is one of the things this is one of the reasons why automakers you know you may think it's because you know they you know they, they tell you you know people want it this way it looks like the future it looks like the future this is what people do on their phones they touch everything it's not that this is not it's why cheap. tesla did this well, the it's first time cheaper. i got in a model s i realized well, there was no, us that. no buttons in there you know it's like, no, those buttons cost a lot of money to engineer. It costs money to assemble that. This is a cost savings thing. That's Sometimes you got to get multiple is. different buttons because different languages. It's just yeah. the whole, yeah. And if we just take everything in software and then just localize the software, it's easy peasy. Yeah. Now, well, one, apparently th one thing, one, <laughs> apparently not easy peasy. <laughs> one, um, I, LJ, I don't know what kind of garage door opener you have. But if you happen to have one that has support for uh, Google Assistant uh, and Google Home, um, what you can do, like, you know, if a Genie, you know, I have a Genie garage door opener that has support for that. And so it's set up in my, in my uh, Google Home system. And so I can actually um, just use Google Assistant to open and close the garage door without touching anything. I just say, uh, hey, Google, open the garage door. And Everyone who's listening to this in their car right now just had their garage door open. <laughs> well, no, because the, it, it does ask for a PIN number. Okay. You no, know, my phone my phone just recognized me. I was just going to uh, say, please don't say those two words because my home speaker just responded. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> but anyway, depending on what kind of garage door opener you have, you may be able to use that as an alternative to futzing around in the screen. Um the uh, feedback info for EV is really weak. You can find out your percentage of charge and your mileage to empty. But when you charge, it tells you how many miles you're adding per hour. It does not provide any information about kilowatt hours, economy, or kilowatt hour charge uh, rate, all useful information. That's true. I mean, it, the GM has been a little stingy on providing a lot of that information on their EVs, uh, unfortunately unfortunately it doesn't make for a good user experience no it was really difficult like with the bolt like trying to figure out how to to, to calculate um without a percentage rate like i was trying to calculate for my range runs and i'm just like what and then there was yeah i figured it i figured out a way but it was a pain yeah uh and then the software provided for uh specifying preferred charging times is inadequate it wants to tell wants me to tell it when i want my car charged and it will charge uh, charge it when it sees fit, trying to maintain my preferred window, but it may not be able to. I want to tell it to start at 10 p.m., but not a minute sooner, but there's no way to do that. My electric provider has very low rates from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. And, and, and pretty low rates from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. It has three times the rate from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Obviously, I want to avoid those hours, but their settings don't provide for that. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's again, problem. yeah. That's a weird. Yeah, they... Uh, you know, again, this is something, depending on what kind of home charger you're using, you may be able to program it easier in your charger. Right. You know, again, that Autel charger I'm using, um, it does it does a really good job with that. I can program that stuff in there. Um, so you might want to yeah, look, at, look at what you have, depending on what kind of charger you're using. 
Yeah, we did ours. We I've programmed ours through our charger, so the charger has the hours. But it's that way if other people plug into the house, like my brother visits or whatever, it doesn't like start charging at like six in the evening, and I'm paying some outrageous amount of money. And and the other thing too is you can also you know in a lot of the connected chargers you can see you know what kind of charging rate you're getting, how much electricity it's actually putting in um, through the charger interface as well. So that's that's another reason why you might want to consider one of those. Um, and then these are all things that can and probably will be addressed by updates, but they are things that make me shudder when I think that they are planning on rolling out their own OS in a year or so. Uh, actually, a lot of that OS is already in your car. They're just continuing to, to refine it. Um, I was in software development and InfoSec for over a decade. Software is hard. Software is really hard. Secure software is even harder. I've seen a lot more, a lot of homegrown solutions over the years and most failed and they all came in way more costly than expected. <clears throat> VW. Uh, it's clear that uh, subscription income streams and exclusive control of user information are driving these decisions, but I think it's time to take a step back and look at what they came, what they can do to put the best product out first. Of course, all of this becomes academic if the UAW destroys what's left of the domestic automakers. Regards, Larry. Ah, so a lot there to think about. Um, and then we have one more. Uh, and this one was from uh, Chinton. Uh, it says, thanks for a great show every week. Please keep up good work. Uh, question, a set of questions re relating to my son who just turned 15 and has gotten his learner's permit here in Georgia. Ooh. <laughs> First of all, we, we should not be giving 15-year-olds the ability to drive. That's just- I got mine when I was 15. Yeah, I got I only wrecked, 15. What are you I only, wrecked, I only wrecked one car. <laughs> that's that's a rarity anyway well, I had a minor car well i actually wrecked the car before i got my learner's permit but that's not important you gotta so first, start kids somewhere first you question do you, do you have any thoughts or tips about the process of teaching a new driver how to drive we live in the city of atlanta so around here he's only driven at an abandoned mall about 15 minutes from our house but we have to let him drive on public roads near his grandparents in rural Georgia, where roads are much less busy. Uh, any words of wisdom uh, from you guys about teaching your kids to drive? Example, how long before they should be allowed on busier streets, highways, et cetera? Uh, I would say, you know, keep them on minimal roads until they're at least 25. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you know, it. a lot depends on the individual. I mean, you've yeah. got to use your judgment, you know, to, judge you know how responsible is the kid every kid uh, is different what's yeah. their level of comfort you know how do they feel about it too yeah yeah absolutely um i would also strongly recommend you know take you know getting them into a good driver school a good driver education program you know high school programs even if they still even exist usually aren't great um you know one thing you might want to consider, you know, once they've gotten uh, a little bit more experience is to possibly even send them to, uh, you know, a driving school, like a, a race driving school. Most race driving schools um, have specific programs for, uh, for young drivers that, you know, are to teach them defensive driving techniques, you know, and they focus on things like, you know, making sure that they're looking, you know, checking their mirrors, you know, looking around them all the time, being aware of what's around them. Uh, but also, you know, teach them skills in handling, you know, how to handle the vehicle in inclement weather, 
you know, if you get snow or rain, you know, what do you have to do? You know, so they'll teach them skid control, things like that. And if you're in Atlanta, um, I'm pretty sure there's a driving school at Road Atlanta at the racetrack there um, that, uh, you know, probably offers a program like that. Uh, so you might want to consider that. It's not inexpensive, but, you know, when you consider, you know, the cost of somebody's life, it it's probably worth it. Um, so that's, that's something to consider, um, you know, and then, you know, um, spend as much time in the car with them as you can, as you can tolerate, um, because again, depending on your kid, you know, it can be, it can be very stressful when you are trying to teach your kid to drive, which is one of the reasons why I suggest, you know, sending them to somebody else to, to teach them the basics and then be with them to practice. Um, and make sure they get lots and lots of practice. Any other thoughts from either of you? I mean, I've, neither of you have kids and have gone through this. Oh, so. I've got, I've got oh. step kids. I, 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 four oh, okay. boys, I went through this with um, oh, okay. many, many years ago. I was just looking at the teen driving schools and, and, uh, BMW's got a couple of them, but they're not nothing in, in, in Atlanta. Unfortunately, the closest one would be Spartanburg, South Carolina. They've got a teen driving school. It's not outrageously expensive. It's like a one day course for um, $999. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a thousand bucks is not cheap, but you know, it's probably worth it for the, the peace of mind. Um Next, uh, the next question uh, is, having listened to several dozen of your episodes, my son is kind of a car guy now. Uh, He initially talked about getting a used GTI or 86 BRZ as his first car, assuming we can find the balance between price and safety feature content. I think those would be great cars for a new driver. But now he has decided that he loves my car, an 80,000-mile 2016 Audi A6 with the 3-liter supercharged V6. (laughs) Please confirm that a 16-year-old has no business driving a car with 300-plus horsepower and no. feet of torque, no matter how old or how many miles it has on no. it. No. Yeah, no. no, absolutely not. No. Under no, no circumstances. Oh, all right. this, okay. And this is based on my own experience as a as a person who drove uh, cars very fast on mountain roads. Um, if someone had given me 300 horsepower, I, I would have ended up in a bunch of ditches. More than the one ditch I ended up in. My no, first this, vehicle it, was a Pontiac Firebird, so I don't. I don't think I'm a good person to ask that question to. Actually, <laughs> yeah, uh, just you know what? Slow car fast. To be yes. honest, slow yeah. car fast is way more fun. Getting something the GTI, BR, uh, you know, ed, uh, an eighty. Actually, you know BRZ. what? It doesn't even need to be a GTI. You know, just get a regular Golf. Yeah, you know, the, regular the, golf. The golf. The Golf is a used really rabbit. good handling car, yeah. or a, a car. Honda Fit is actually a really fun car to drive. Oh, it yeah. doesn't have people a lot of power, people. but it's it's a good slow car, fast kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or you know, if he wants a sports car, Miata. You know, BRZ eighty six is not bad. You know, especially the first gen. Uh, you know, it's you know two hundred and what twenty horsepower is probably more than I'd prefer for a first car. But you know, it's it's not crazy fast. Minis uh, aren't bad for teen drivers either. I, I've yeah. got a oh yeah, that's also a great choice. And and uh, she and you know it's it's a good package. It's it's uh, it's a fun car, but it's it's not crazy. Yeah, I mean what what you want to focus on is something that handles well. Um, you know has you know has some you know modern safety features. You know certainly airbags and uh, seatbelt alerts and things like that. Um, 
but you know, doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of horsepower. So not a John Cooper works mini, you know, just a regular one. Right. right. Um, but you know, uh, or, you know, any, any of those, any of those cars, you know, um, are a really good choice, you know, because the, the handling is probably is more important than the, uh, than the power. You don't, you don't need the really fast acceleration because that's just going to get you into trouble sooner. Yeah. And I did find a teen driving program at Atlanta Motorsports Park, which I put the link in our chat and perhaps we can put it in the, in the link for whoever's, you know, listening. Yep. I will will put that in here right now. Um, And then finally uh, with uh, BVs, uh, electric vehicles, clearly being the future, I've also considered finding a cheap low range EV form instead of an ICE vehicle an e-golf or first generation bolt could both be fun, uh, useful first cars for him. And since he really has little experience driving cars, introducing him to an EV driving would be like driving, be like drawing on a clean sheet of paper. What do you think of simply skipping ice cars altogether for a young driver? Um, I think that's a great idea. The bolt would be a great first vehicle. Yeah. I, I I would pick the Eagle because it's a lot more fun to drive. And also he can't go as far away. <laughs> that's, that's also a good point. <laughs> Where you, go? you only got a hundred and something miles. <laughs> Tether. It's like putting a tether on your kid. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the, of... <laughs> the, the e-golf is kind of like driving a GTI that, you know, doesn't have, doesn't have to spend any money on gas. Um, yeah, it's got it's got that automatic tethering system. Uh, so yeah, that that would actually be a great choice if you can find a nice e golf. Uh, but you know, Bolt is also really good. Um, or it, Leaf wouldn't be as much fun. Uh, but yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? You know what is actually a lot of fun to drive, and has that same advantage of of short range, is the Fiat 500e. Yeah. Oh yeah. If, yeah. if you can find a 500e, uh, I actually thought I I actually felt the 500e was more fun to drive than the 500 abarth um oh it and, is it's definitely i driven yeah. the abarth on 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 um on laguna seca and i still had more fun than the 500e just driving around town yeah so consider consider the 500e or the e-golf or, or the bolt any of those i think yeah. would be great choices um so that's it for this week thank you everybody for listening and uh keep sending in the the questions we we, we enjoy them um and again if you want to uh record something and send it to us. We will include that in the show as well as we have in the past. So we'll talk, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.